what I wanted to talk to you about this morning. I read Romans 8 and the Matthew 7 passage. It turns out they're talking about the same thing. What Paul is talking about in Romans 8 is whether or not you're in the spirit or the flesh and why one is better than the other. We've been reading the Gospel of Matthew and starting in Matthew 5 we have the Sermon on the Mount and to sort of give you a precess of where we have been Matthew 5 talked about you have heard it said but I say to you that was sort of the key phrase you have heard it said where he quotes something out of the Torah and then he says but I say to you you've heard it said you shall not murder but I say to you if you hate your brother you're guilty you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery but I say to you if you lust after you know that kind of thing and Six is talking about hypocrisy or virtue signaling. And there it talks about flashy charity, when you give charity out in front of everybody so everybody can see just how generous you are. Talks about public prayer, where you compose long prayers, mostly to appear righteous among your brethren. Talks about fasting. When you fast, do it in private, wash your face, don't make it really obvious to everyone. So the whole point of Matthew 6 is hypocrisy. Now Matthew 7, I'm going to read parts of it for you, is talking about judge not and so forth. So the standards there are that you use the same standards on yourself that you use on anybody else. One of the things we are really, really good at is we are really good at looking at somebody and pointing out the sin that the other person has and we don't use the same standards on ourselves, And so that's what Yeshua is talking about there. But I actually want to go to the end of this, and I'm going to go down to Matthew 7, verse 13. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So what I'm suggesting to you is all of the summary that I have gone through up until now is distilled in that phrase. And in Romans 8, where Paul says, if you are in the flesh instead of being in the spirit, that the stuff that you are doing is a waste of time. So what I'm suggesting is that Paul is also talking about the narrow gate. And the idea in both cases, both Yeshua and Paul, is there are a whole lot of things that go on in the world that I will describe as almost right. And if you fall for almost right, what you've done is you have missed the narrow gate. Now I'm going to give you some examples and so forth, but that's basically the message in both Romans and in Matthew. So Yeshua says... The Torah says generosity is really good. Be generous. But if your generosity is for the purpose of appearing like a really generous person among all your friends, you're almost right. You're doing the thing that the Torah says to do, but you're not doing it in the spirit, as Paul says. Your reasons for doing it are almost right, and what you then wind up doing is missing the narrow gate. So, the last time I was up here talking, talked about socialism. One of the things that I said about socialism, which is true, is socialism is a satanic counterfeit for Torah. Because socialism is almost right. 
What socialism does is sells you on the idea that you are doing something for the benefit of everybody. Everybody has enough to eat, everybody has enough medical care, everybody has a place to live. Look how generous I am. Look how virtuous I am. Because I'm advocating that everybody is going to have the things that they need. That's almost right. Because what we've discovered, and you all know that, is socialism, every time it's tried, leads to misery and death. 100%. No exceptions. But since it's almost right, what people do is say, well, they just didn't do it right. And we're going to try it again, and we're going to keep trying it again until we get it right. But the point is, it can't be gotten right. It's not possible. But it is almost right, so people who know the Bible and so forth are very attracted to it because it's just ever so slightly wrong and it seems like it ought to be able to work if we just try it hard enough that's what I mean by almost right so we're in this world God put us here and God gave us some information he didn't tell us about the laws of physics because we can figure those out for ourselves what he told us about is the laws of how to thrive as a society, how to thrive as people. He said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, go out and enjoy the thing I've made for you. But what I'm telling you are there are some rules here that you're not going to be able to figure out for yourself. And so I'm going to go ahead and tell you what those rules are. And that's, of course, the Torah. Now, Paul, in Romans 8, talks about the law. And he talks about the law in three different ways. He talks about the law of spiritual life first. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Yeshua Messiah. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Messiah, Yeshua, from the law of sin and death. So you have the law of the spirit of life, you have the law of sin and death. And then in verse 3, for God has done what the law, another use of the law, so we have now three different uses of the law, and I'm suggesting to you they mean three different things. I have heard Sunday preachers say that the law of sin and death is the Torah. And I'm telling you without stutter, stammer, or equivocation, notice I just stuttered there, that is not true. Now what I'm going to tell you though is the law of the spirit of life, the law of sin and death, and the Torah, the law, are all God's laws. They're all God's laws. The law of sin and death is what we call God's iron law of sowing and reaping. In other words, as you sow, shall shall you reap. And if you sow stuff that's almost right, what you're going to do is you're going to reap death. That's one of God's laws. And he tells us that. The law of the spirit of life, what Paul is talking about here, is when you do things that God says to do and you are doing it in the spirit, which is to say, for God's glory as opposed to for your own glory, what happens is you reap life. And then the Torah is the rule book. An example I've used is if you take your 10-year-old kid who's all enthusiastic and you send him out on a high school football field and you don't tell him the rules, he's going to be a hindrance to himself and to others and he's probably going to get hurt. Well, this world we live in, in much the same way, it's like a football field. And if you go through it without understanding the rules, your chances of getting hurt are really high. And in fact, what God says is there are parts of it that you're not going to be able to figure out. 
So I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give the rule book. We all grow up understanding gravity. You know, little kids are real close to the ground so that when gravity grabs them, they don't have very far to fall. That's why God makes them low to the ground, right? Everybody comes to understand gravity. You don't need to be taught about gravity. But it's not the same with God's laws because some of God's laws are not obvious. So he tells us. And what Satan does is he takes the things that God has created and he very subtly shifts them. So everything that's a sin is a shifting of something that God has provided for our benefit. You have lust on one side, you have married sex on the other. The physical act is the same, but why you're doing it is very different. And so what you have in lust is a slight perversion of what God has provided. Gluttony. you got to eat. But if you've got an automatic fork that you can't shut off, you wind up being about that big. So it's a subtle shift of something that God has provided for our benefit. Everything that Satan sets up is a slight shift from what God has set up. And what Yeshua is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is he is pointing out those shifts. So when he says, you have heard you shall not commit adultery, well, that's the basic rule. Very true. But what Yeshua says is, if you make a slight shift and you start fantasizing about someone you shouldn't be fantasizing about, what you wind up doing is eventually committing the act. Slight perversion. Charity. Charity is a good thing. That's how you sustain the poor. That's how you help each other. Wonderful thing. But if the reason you're doing it is to appear virtuous before men, then as far as God is concerned, it doesn't get you anything in the spirit. So, the question that you need to ask, I will suggest, is how do you tell the difference? You're going through life and you see some guy on the street corner that's got to sign up and needs help and you shift him five bucks or two bucks or whatever you're shifting. How do you tell whether you're doing that in the spirit, which is glorifying God, or whether you're doing that in the flesh, which is making you look good to whoever's in the passenger seat? How do you tell? And I will suggest to you that there's a couple of questions you ought to be able to ask as you're doing stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. About 85 or 90 percent of the stuff that you do in your life doesn't have terrible spiritual consequences. You go to the store, you buy groceries, you do all that kind of stuff. And there are very few spiritual traps in a lot of that stuff. So I don't want you to go through life paranoid that every action could be in the flesh or in the spirit. I mean, potentially it probably is, but most of the stuff is not that way. So the first thing that you should do is ask yourself, whose glory am I seeking? So as I'm doing this act, whose glory am I seeking? And that will take you through the whole list of hypocrisy stuff that Yeshua talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. Because what he's saying about the people who are hypocrites is they are seeking their own glory, they are not seeking God's glory. And that's why he says, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. That's to prevent you from seeking your own glory in your actions. Sort of question number one is, is there an opportunity here to glorify God? Or am I just picking up some groceries? As I said, not everything is a great spiritual conundrum. But is there an opportunity here to glorify God? And if there is an opportunity here to glorify God, is that what my actions are pointing to? Or are they pointing to me? 
So that's sort of question one. Second thing is, what motivates your actions? And I will suggest that the proper motive is obedience. There is a situation here that I am faced with that God talks about in his Torah. I have a choice. I can either obey his Torah or I can do something else. So the second question is, am I being obedient or am I not being obedient in perhaps some very minor way? Because God's Torah talks about a lot of the stuff that we do every day. It also doesn't talk about a lot of stuff we do every day. In that area, you're free to do whatever you like. But there are some things that he gives you instructions on. And so the question is, am I being obedient? Third thing is, who are you trusting? Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the lilies of the field. And he says, folks, don't worry about what's going to happen to you for sustenance. Now that doesn't mean quit your job and sit with your hands crossed over your tummy. What it means is, who do I trust? And when I am sustained, to whom do I give glory? That's what the Sermon on the Mount is talking about when it says, don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to put on and all those kinds of things because God knows you need that stuff. And if he can handle the lilies of the field, he can handle you. So I will suggest to you that those three questions when you are faced with something about which the Torah speaks will go a long way in helping you focus on the narrow gate as opposed to focusing on the world. Because Yeshua says there are lots and lots and lots of other gates you can go through, but there's only one narrow gate. So let's apply our test. What's wrong with socialism? Who are you giving glory to? Not God. Who are you trusting in? Not God. What motivates your actions? It depends. Sometimes it's greed if you're the one that's looking to receive. Sometimes it is virtue signaling if you're going to say, oh, well, this is the best way because look at all this good it's going to do. But notice none of those is a pure motivation. So what I'm saying is if you apply those tests to anything, you should then be able to say, wait a minute, that's a false gate. That's not a gate I want to go through even though it's almost right. Because what Yeshua and Paul both say is almost right doesn't get it. That's what the narrow gate means. You have to be precise. You have to do the right things for the right reasons. And when you do the right things for the right reasons, you are aimed at the narrow gate. You are doing things in the spirit, as Paul would say, as opposed to doing them in the flesh. So, one of the things that Satan uses is he's very, very good with language. So when he gives you one of these harebrained ideas, it always sounds good. It sounds really good. But it's almost right. And that's the trap. It's very close to being right. And if you apply those tests, who gets the glory, what motivates your actions, and who do you trust for your sustenance? That will help you screen out stuff that sounds good, stuff that looks good, stuff that's almost right. I will suggest that those are fairly practical tests that you can use. Now, one of the things that Paul says now is this is not easy 
and you're going to make mistakes. And then when you make a mistake, that's where the blood of Yeshua comes in and helps you to recover from the mistake. So the whole purpose here is that you don't go through life terrified. You don't go through life in fear. You go through life confidently and you can then decide how to tell what's almost right from what is actually right. And in the cases where you mess that up, you then have a savior that will help you recover. <laughs> 